Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Chosen the Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Father Jacob McDaniel, and this is actually a summer bonus episode. If you remember, our last um, airing was with uh, Bishop McClory, where he talked to us a little bit about uh, Christ-like leadership. And so um, today we're going to be spending some time with people who are also living out that call of Christ-like leadership. Um, our Lord's leadership is a very unique one in that he says that if you want to be you know, uh, the leader or the great of all, you must first be their servant. And so these people live this with their life. Um, joining us on the podcast is uh, Jude and Kate. They are two Christ in the City missionaries who have been here in the Diocese of Gary based in Michigan City, Father Jacob's old stomping grounds. So, Indeed, my hometown. There yeah, it is. So we want to welcome uh, Jude and Kate to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, it's a real treat. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you guys are uh, on loan to the diocese, and so this is not your your hometown, your home area per se. So uh, Jude, where are you from? I'm from a small town in Ohio called Circleville. It's kind of in the middle of a cornfield like the rest of the state. <laughs> um, so <laughs> nice. from Ohio. <laughs> okay. Um, is it like... I know nothing about Ohio. So is that like near Cleveland? Is it near Columbus? Is it like, what's the biggest city nearby? It's about 30 miles south of Columbus. I went to Ohio State. So oh, very cool. I spent a lot of time there uh, as a kid. We go to church up in Columbus. So it's a reasonable drive to, you know, an urban center. But my parents' house is down in the rural area. Okay. So you are a Buckeye. I am, but I'm not a real huge fan of football, so okay. I, I tend not to associate. <laughs> oh, wow. This so, is intriguing. Yeah, I'm one of the few. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's the question, though. What is a buckeye? It is this uh, seed uh, for a tree, a buckeye tree. It has this, like, green sheath around it, but the interior of the seed is actually, like, poisonous. Um, oh. It looks like oh. a deer or a buck, you know, male deer's eye. So don't eat it. <laughs> There's uh, no For... I knew it was something with a tree, but I didn't know that much about it. So thank you, first of all. Father, why don't you ask yeah. him a difficult question? Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he knew every detail of what a buckeye was. Like, oh. But I, for the longest time, I thought it was chocolate, but that's way less, uh, yeah, way that less fun. That is the dessert version, you know, peanut butter covered in chocolate. Mm. But great and edible and not poisonous. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. My, uh, my dad will be excited. He's originally from Ohio. He's from Lakewood, Ohio, near Cleveland. But um, he still follows. I mean, obviously, we live here now. This is where I grew up. But he still follows Ohio sports. So um, he's one of like five Browns fans in the world. So um, that's good. <laughs> but you don't follow football. So yeah. yeah, good. That's that's probably a better thing for the Brown situation. <laughs> well, so. you know, the Brown situation is a perpetual reason for Christian hope. So if you talk oh. to my if you talk to my dad, like every year, he'll say. I think the Browns have a shot at the Super Bowl this year. And it's always like that. Like, no. They're just not going to make it. I mean, yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> Even when they legit did this past year, they really didn't. Yeah, you know? right, right. But it could, so, be, it could be worse, I guess. You could be a Detroit Lions fan. 
So, Oof. Yeah. I think the bishop is a Detroit Lions fan. I think he is. Yikes. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a real that's a real question for Hope, though. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. uh, with that, we'll pivot. Kate, yeah. uh, <laughs> tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from central Pennsylvania. I grew up um, in the Harrisburg area, but out in the country, um, surrounded by a bunch of woods, you know, playing in the woods, building forts, the whole deal. And I went to school for four years in Pittsburgh at um, Pitt, and okay. now I'm in Crescent City in Denver. Very cool. Very cool. So, Jude, you mentioned that you weren't super into football, like, um, in terms of being at uh, Ohio State and everything like that. Uh, what did you study there? What were some of your interests? I studied forestry, fisheries, and wildlife, so kind okay. of just like a mouthful for environmental science. So, I mean, other than, like, biking, hanging out with people, things like that, um, there's a lot of decent like nature areas in columbus that are really fun so i just kind of like walk around and like look at a tree and point at it and say oh i know your name now <laughs> uh, so that's that's why you knew so this is the buckeye, the buckeye thing yeah. 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 okay all right okay great just for that tree <laughs> that's right nice it's paying off <laughs> you went you went to the school for the mascot alone nice <laughs> yeah. um well that's cool and then kate how about yourself you went to Pitt, mm-hmm. and then uh, what did you study there i studied bioengineering nice i um um, before I was a director of uh, campus ministry at uh, St. Teresa of Avila Catholic Student Center. It's connected with Valparaiso University. And there was a lot of um, engineering majors um, mm-hmm. at that university. And I remember seeing their homework from time to time in the student lounge. Oh. And it like it could have been hieroglyphics for all I knew. I mean, like <laughs> it's so impressive. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a very gifted mind in relation to math or mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um and so to see people like be able to understand that and excel at that, it's super awesome. So like, what what drew you to that that area? Um, I was drawn to bioengineering because I really wanted to like use the talents that I had through, towards math and science for like a specific purpose of directing it of helping other people. Mm-hmm. So like putting those things into the practical engineering and creating medical technology to yeah save lives help people um reduce pain and but i went in with his focus of wanting to go to medical school okay. and stuck it out actually for four years um kind of much to my surprise but i just uh, applied to medical school uh, a few days ago actually. wow so, congratulations oh, thank okay. you yeah, nice. it's super exciting nice. is there like a, a couple or like a handful of schools that you're you're most excited about or looking to get into I haven't finalized the school list, so phase one was sort of like processing the application, and I sent it to my alma mater at Pitt, um, and then I'll finalize the school list and send it around, probably cast a decent net um, in the next few weeks. So I want to give a, um, you know, in hearing your your story there, Kate, I I want to give a random um, chosen shout out to Marie Dix. So Marie was a peer minister when I was a director of uh, campus ministry at St. Teresa, and she just got accepted into medical school at um, Creighton. Oh, nice. So, That's yeah. so cool. Marie, if you're listening to this, I'm super proud of you. Way to go. Nice. So, Shout out. Yeah. Woo! Nice. So now that we've gotten to, to know you guys a little bit more just in your, your personal life, um, obviously you guys are not in Northwest Indiana on vacation, so you guys are here for a particular purpose and a particular mission, and um, I referenced earlier in the intro, Christ in the City. Which is kind of interesting because in your guys' description, descriptions of your upbringing and where you're from, 
Uh, neither of you are from a, a city, so that's kind of interesting how that worked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, can you tell us a little bit about the apostolate of Christ in the city, you know, where it started, when it started, th- good things like that? Yeah, I think it was born kind of out of desire to kind of marry two sides of the church, you know, one that's very active, very social, um, very focused on, yeah, social justice issues, and the other side that's very focused on ritual and tradition mm-hmm. um, and, and like the more spiritual practice of the faith. And kind of bringing them together into this blend um, where one knows the truths of the faith and lives them devoutly in love of God, but for a reason, you know, to serve uh, to serve the, the people out there. And so I think that was kind of the nexus that brought it together. Um, the man, Jonathan Reyes, was kind of like the, the key figure um, and a number of other people that I'm forgetting, you know, in our history talks, <laughs> Christ mm-hmm. in the City, um, who, were, who were kind of like the, the main think tank that brought about the genesis for Christ in the City's idea of let's bring young adults, let's have a formation program for them, and let's have them be active in the community, serving the poor. Um, what the church, through its like its doctrines of social teaching, uh, teaches us are the preferential option, the material poor, um, and the list of apostolates of possible people you could serve. So Nice. So how long have you guys been around anyway? Christen City's been around for about 10 years. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary this past October, so... That was really fun to celebrate that and all the changes and honestly ways that the Holy Spirit has guided the program throughout the past 10 years. You know, they started out, for just for example, we started out with men living in one place and women living in another. And now we have an old school house where men and women have separate wings, but like really share life together, Hmm. Um, cooking, cleaning, all the things together. Yeah. And it's a beautiful formation program. So is it um is it based in Denver? Yep, so it's based in Denver. Okay. Um and that's where we serve as year-long missionaries and for now that's the only place where there's year-long missionaries um in the formation program. And then every summer we are slowly expanding to more and more cities for a 3-week summer of service program, which is what brings us here to Michigan City. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah, Denver is kind of like Catholic Catholic Disneyland in the United States. I mean, like you have yeah. Christ in the City, you have Focus out there, you have the Augustine Institute, and I mean, it's pretty awesome. So you mentioned the year, you guys serving for like a year. I know that with Focus missionaries, a lot of times it's like two years, they sign on the commit and then like that's part of their program, but your guys' regimen is like the one year um, of commitment, and then if, is it like if people want to, they can commit for further years or... Yeah, so you can do a max of two years and okay. you discern one year at a time. The idea being that since the program is so much more focused on um, your formation, that in, in a sense, they you almost outgrow the program. Okay. So the, from the get-go, your focus is on like, well, one day I'm going to leave this place, I'm going to be sent out. We want to uh, form intentional missionary disciples who are going to leave like a, um, a kind of like, what word do I want to use? Um, almost like... They, they kind of give us a mission, mm-hmm. right? And they want you to go out into the workforce, become a religious, get married, like do normal life and do what you learned here of what it means to be a, a missionary disciple for Jesus. Um, but do that in like a non like program way in a way. Sure. One of the things I've understood about Christ in the city um, and what a little I have got the chance to learn about with it is that like the formational process that the missionaries undergo is like pretty intense, right? I mean, there's like a lot of, formation in the sense of like I'm, I'm familiar with the focus model because I was involved as a student on a campus with focus mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of like they do summer training 
But you guys, it's like woven into your like week to week experience as missionaries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, two things that are almost like not scripted in a way, but um, provide a lot of formation is just like daily life with each other. We start our days at 6.30 a.m. with morning prayer and we're all together men and women and we end our days with night prayer at 9 p.m. all together, you know, and so we're doing like free time and cooking and going onto the streets, doing our ministry. We have trainings, we have our internships, we're kind of supporting the nonprofit parts of the of the ministry and all these things, but we're doing it in sync together. And mm-hmm. so there's so many moments where like your personalities, your faults, your hurts, your wounds, your everything just kind of like brushes up against each other in ways that um, really give you opportunities for forgiveness and to be forgiven. And so there's a tremendous amount of human formation that happens at Christ in the City just from daily life. And they don't really have to do anything other than, like, let you eat together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Kate, what about, what would you say was, like, your biggest shock in starting in Christ in the City and, and that, that human element or that human formation of just living in the house together? Oh, man. It's been a really good test of my human limitations. Um, and I would say um, a big test of like or showing me my weaknesses. So, for example, the first, I think, two weeks there, maybe three weeks, we do um, a technology fast where we are not on our phones. Um, we like have them turned off. We're not checking them, not even contacting really friends and family other than maybe like a quick call on Sundays. And you're just immersed in community and in like learning all about the mission and about each other constantly for two, three weeks. Mm. And so I was super overstimulated. Um, yeah, just <laughs> absolutely so much, especially after a summer um, during a pandemic where there was so much less human, human interaction that I was used to. So it was a huge readjustment for me, honestly. Um, and that like overstimulation and sort of smaller instances of that throughout the year have definitely pushed my limits. And then in those limits, I, yeah, find my weaknesses. And like Jude was talking about seeking forgiveness, um, needing forgiveness, needing reconciliation. Like there have been plenty of moments of that for me. And those have been really powerful and I have fostered like deep healing. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful that in a lot of these um, outreach efforts in the life of the church, Christ in the city being one of them. Um, even, you know, like, uh, focus in terms of missionaries, usually there's like four at a campus or, um, you know, even in terms of seminary formation or religious life, like there's a beauty in living in community. It's not to say that it's always sunshine and rainbows, but there's a beauty in it and that we become more of who we've been created to be. And I think that, you know, Jude, you were talking about how eventually the goal is that, you are able to emerge from the work of Christ in the city into the life, you know, whatever that is, you know, and whether it's a religious life or married life or whatever profession you do. But I'm thinking like what you guys are describing as well in the context of like a family, right? Like being in a house, living, learning to live in community. Like, you know, if somebody is called to marriage, like living with your spouse with, you know, discovering your own foibles and then learning their own um, shortcomings as well, but doing so in a very like good and beautiful way. Yeah, I'm not familiar with any of that that reality in the priesthood. You know, it's just yeah. so perfect, right? That's right, just sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, exactly. If if that was really true, it'd be like God help the parish that I ever belong to, right? You know, like <laughs> if there's not opportunities first, you know, like, like you know, asking for forgiveness, seeking it, and healing. You know, right? It's funny too because uh, we talked about Catholic Disneyland earlier with the reality of Denver, and uh, I lived there for. 
about six months, maybe some change, because oh. I was in the novitiate uh, for the Central Province Dominicans, and that's based really? in Denver. Oh, yeah. cool. They do a lot of so. stuff with us, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. their novice house is like a mile down the street from us, you know, so we're, we're there nice. by... Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I love going to Sunday Mass there. Nice. Catch me there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I spent... I, I discerned with them um, in, like, their pre-novitiate, and we did it in Tennessee, and then novitiate in Denver, and then uh, discerned out, and then came to the diocese uh, the following August, and so... Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy Denver. I mean, like, I just just to throw that out there, like, um, what has your guys' experience been of the of the city of Denver itself? It's really fun. We, it's, I mean, climate wise, you get sunshine a lot. You know, it'll have like some wet days, it'll snow, but it goes away really quick. And at least for me, you know, from the flatlands of Ohio, where it's just corn for as, as far as you can see, yeah, I cannot get over like walking down the streets in between skyscrapers, just seeing mountains, you know, right. and going and climbing them is just unreal. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit more, you know, different kind of natural beauty, you know, mm-hmm. you can kind of get accustomed to the natural beauty of a cornfield to make it not be, you know, you don't think, oh, it's not very beautiful, you know. <laughs> so a little bit change of a scenery, change of landscape can always be a, an awesome thing. Definitely. So nice. Yeah, there's a lot of energy in Denver, which is really fun. You have, there seems like there's always people walking around, a lot of dogs, um, lots of people doing lots of different things. So it's fun in that sense of like, there's motivation, there's energy, there's like movement in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed, like, particularly when I even was there a few years ago, like, everyone is very, very active, like, Mm -hmm. sport-wise or, like, athletics-wise. It's, like, that's kind of, like, the thing to do is, Mm -hmm. like, like bike or, like, hike. Does, like, everybody look like they're a promotional ad for Patagonia? (laughs) Yeah, everyone everyone but me, you know? (laughs) It's a lot of crunchy people. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I mean, even, like, uh, the REI... That's it's REI, right? Right? Yeah. Like I went there a couple of times, you know, and and with like uh, my mom and my brother visited me when I was out there, and it was like this was like this was like the place of worship for some of the people that were there, you know. <laughs> it was like wow, you know. So it was like everyone in their element, and then I think there was someone selling like vegan cookies at the door too. So it was like this is this is Denver. This is great, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. So in terms of talking about the city itself, like hearing a little bit about your guys' formation and preparation for mission, could you guys tell us a little bit about the mission, right? Like what are you guys preparing yourselves to do like when you are in Denver itself, but also, for example, in Michigan City, Indiana? Yeah, the main goal for for us is to uh, spread uh, the love of Christ through friendship. And so it's a very relational and conversational ministry. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard the phrase like relational evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really kind of follow Mother Teresa. She's one of our biggest inspirations and our patron. Um, we follow her model of like a ministry of presence where, you know, you, you would think like, okay, we're serving the poor. Like we're going to get them food. We're going to bring them clothing. We're going to find the housing resources. And like there's a time and a place for all those things, the material concerns. But what we found with the population we work with, the chronically homeless, these people are service resistant. And so they are really kind of opposed for whatever reason to getting off the streets maybe they feel um, very despairing of you know the system where they've tried before and it doesn't work or they've been on wait lists for years or whatever the the circumstances are that are keeping them on the streets we found that it's actually a relationship with people that they find a motivation to change their living circumstances um which is you know more ancillary to the 
the real main goal of like reminding these people who are so dehumanized from daily, you know, begging people for money, uh, you know, uh, diving into dumpsters, looking for food, you know, all the other harsh realities and abuses of the street. Um, what we found is that our friendship can oftentimes remind them of their dignity, mm. you know, and of their worth. And that's what we're really trying to confirm on them first and foremost. Um, the worst evil, I would argue, is not that people are, are homeless. The worst evil is that people don't go to heaven. Um, we found that friendship is one of the best means to communicate the love of God and get that main goal across. Yeah, I, it's interesting. When I was in seminary, one of my assignments over the summer was working with the Missionaries of Charity in Gary. So um, Father Declan, who has been on the podcast before, he and I were there together for about three months. And that we, we would do what they called home visits. So we were working in Gary, East Chicago, Hammond. Um, and, you know, we would go to people's homes. And, um, you know, some people had asked for us to come, you know, like to, to pray with them for a specific intention. Some people had asked us to come and help them, like, with a bill, like to, to bring money to pay for a bill. Um, sometimes they didn't ask. We just went to different doors and knocked on them and then like asked if, you know, people wanted to talk or like to pray with them. And, and I, that concept was so foreign to me. I was like, we weren't invited. <laughs> like why are we? And uh, the sisters were like, no, no, like we're, we're going to go. And, and at first I, my mindset was like, we're not bringing them food always. Like, why, what is our goal? What is our purpose? And, you know, one of the sisters was very clear, you know, we're, we're here to let them know that they're not forgotten, you know, that, you know, they're not forgotten by us. They're not forgotten by our Lord and, you know, that they're still loved. So that's pretty mm. awesome that you guys have her um, as your patron. Yeah, I think there's it's it's hard to prove this, you know, um, in a, a secular society that wants to see results. You know, they really want to know and be able to measure like what we're doing. Um, but the thing that cuts the deepest that most homeless uh, men or women will share is that it's it's, you know, it's insufferable to be cold. It's insufferable to be hungry. It's insufferable to be on the streets. I mean, what hurts the most is the way that people treat you. It's it's the loneliness. Um, you're you're cut off from your friends and your family. They they won't let you in. That's why you're homeless, probably in the first place. Um, there's yeah. there's so much isolation and separation, and then just the daily treatment of pedestrians looking the other way, walking across the street, ignoring them. There's a sense that I am invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, that like when you know two college age uh, kids in gray t shirts just kind of walk up and decide to sit down and talk to you for an hour it's like what is what about me is worth you talking what about me is worth you spending time with me and that's where it's like hmm, maybe i'm good maybe i maybe yeah. there's something i forgot yeah. and that's that's what we're there for so I, I often thought about the work with the missionaries um through the lens of the story of zacchaeus right so zacchaeus of course is the man who's very um depicted in the gospel as being very small and um so he has to climb the sycamore tree to, to see our Lord and to catch a glimpse of him. And um, I think a lot of times when you're working in that type of ministry, you know, like Christ in the city or with the missionaries of charity, you're working with people who, based off of interactions that they've had, like you were talking about, you know, being looked the other way as they pass by, they've been made to feel pretty small a lot of times um, through their circumstances. And you guys become like the face of Jesus passing by and saying like, you know, I, I've come to stay at your house today, like not necessarily staying there where they're living, but like to hold conversation with you today, like to, to call you by your name in the same way that our Lord called Zacchaeus. So I think it's a pretty powerful thing to call people out from, from that space. What about, what do you think, Kate? Um, gosh, you talking about the missionaries of charity just brings me to 
what your work with Missionaries of Charity was. Makes me think of how Mother Teresa encountered the poor. Um, yeah, she encountered Jesus in the poor. Mm-hmm. Like, she saw Jesus' face in their face, like, in their poverty, um, in, like, the deepest poverty. She was always serving Jesus. And so I, I hope and pray that we are the face of Christ for our friends. Like, that's what we hope to do. But in turn, they are also the face of Christ for us. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I, and it's it's been really powerful for me just seeing um, the love of God through our friends. Yeah. Like, we go and walk the streets three, four times a week. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, with you said with the missionaries, kind of knocking on doors, that's sort of what we're doing in a way. Maybe it's tent doors um, saying, mm-hmm. hey, anybody want some water, some snacks, some socks? Um, and yeah, just hoping to have a conversation with people, hoping to get some time with people. Um, and man, is it beautiful when someone opens up to you or when someone wants to talk or when someone receives you and responds to you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah, it's still beautiful to me. I even think of today in Michigan City, like chatting with a guy at the food line and I met him maybe a week ago and I like said his name to him as I was giving him his lunch and his eyes just like lit up mm-hmm. and I kind of couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this guy cares that I remembered his name. Like, that's cool. Um, you know, who am I to him? I'm some random volunteer, but yeah, there's like a legitimate connection um, and a giving and receiving that goes on. I think about one of the statements made by our Lord when he said, um, the poor you will always have with you. And that, that passage has always kind of stuck out in my mind. Um, and obviously, you know, our Lord invites us to, in Matthew 25, he talks about like, when I was hungry, you gave me food, thirsty, you gave me drink, you know, a stranger, you welcomed me. So there, there's a clear directive to serve the poor, right? To be present to them. And, um, but at the same time, like that passage of the poor you always have with you. And I think there's a certain element to that where our Lord, you know, permits that in his permissive will because, you know, not by accident, but their their circumstances, their life reveals something of his face to us as well who seek to serve him. You know, that there's something, there's like a window pane in, into to God himself when we are present to people in their circumstances. Um, so I, I just thought about that when you were sharing like, how they reveal Christ to you guys as well. I think that's like a crucial, a crucial part of that type of ministry. Um, what do you got? Why do you guys think that this is such a, a relevant ministry in the world today? Like here we are 2021. Why, why is Christ in the city such a, an important element of the church's work? I mean, like you just talking about the, the poverty of loneliness that our friends who experience homelessness, like also experience this loneliness. I think that is just becoming as our world's becoming more and more polarized as our, um, or at least it seems to me that way, but as the issue of homelessness, like continues to grow, like, yeah, it's only becoming more real that people are being isolated from societies, from families, from like support networks, um, from the, human connection that they are made for and deserve, um, let alone that connection with God. Um, so the issues are only getting bigger. Um, like we saw in Denver, I think over like last summer, there were maybe 700 more tents that popped up as COVID like kind of swept through. Like, yeah, the economy is hurting and people are hurting. So like in the material sense, yeah, homelessness is here and it's 
it's impacting people. And um, I think as a church, like, yeah, we need to respond with love and compassion um, and like our presence. Yeah. But on another level, I mean, like first and foremost, we're a young adult formation program and the formation is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, yeah, it speaks to the needs that we have, like our own human needs for belonging and for a communion um, with God and, and that community with other people too. That's where the models and flows from it. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is like highlighting our needs um, and hopefully producing like young dynamic and healthy and whole like Catholics. Yeah. Like missionary disciples. Yeah. You know, a big segment of our audience, as I kind of alluded to earlier with my own uh, experience is uh, familiar with like, um, they might've heard of Christ in the city and they, but they might be more familiar, particularly our audience with focus. So if you were to give a piece of advice um, for someone that's considering like kind of like the year to commitment for a life uh, that you've committed yourselves to in the time frame that you have, like what advice would you give them if they're considering the reality or the possibility of joining Christ in the city? What do you think? I would say from my own perspective, I joined Christ in the city, not because I loved the homeless, but because I realized I didn't love anyone. <laughs> and I thought that was a problem. I went through, you know, um, the Catholic faith as like a, you know, grade schooler, you know, family faith, things like that. I was raised in it. Um, I guess cradle Catholics, the term we use mm-hmm. and came to college, had my own reversion in a way. But, um, yeah, I graduated college, kind of felt like a, a little directionless in life in general, but also just feeling a deficit um, in my faith life. You know, I, I like to joke, I was like, I, I just felt like I was a schmuck <laughs> and I needed some help. <laughs> well, I mean, you said it, so, you know, hey, like, yeah, I, don't, exactly. I don't know you, so, <laughs> yeah. So what appealed to me the most about Christ in the City, and I had kind of like, you know, um, looked at Net Ministries and then one that's a little more local to like the Minnesota and Ohio regions, uh, St. Paul Outreach, uh, which is another uh, um, campus ministry program. Um, what appealed to me more about Christ in the City was how it seemed, at least, how much more focused on the formation of their missionaries. Um, like they, they were wanting to take in like broken people, like they were wanting to be a repair shop in a way. And what I needed was like a, I, I call it like a vocational boot camp in a sense. Like I, I didn't want to be like a young adult missionary for the rest of my life. I wanted to figure out what the heck my vocation is and get my life started. But I just, I needed the almost in a way like professional help Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to get on my feet. And that's, it's been that and, and so much more. Amen. Nice. Yeah. I would say um, like to come to Christ in the city is to, yeah, take on like, a beautiful life um, and an integrated life and also a very intense life. Mm. Yeah. Like there's no hiding in a community. There is no hiding. Um, and yeah, like street, the streets are intense. There's a lot of time for prayer. Like that's intense. Um, community life can be intense. It sort of all can be a lot. So like be prepared for intensity, but be prepared for, such profound beauty like deep friendships on and off the streets um super deep friendships in the house like in our community yeah and like be prepared for formation like you were saying Jude. yeah mm-hmm. we have like the similar pillars to seminary um mm-hmm. you guys are familiar with mm-hmm. like yeah. we call them spiritual um intellectual human and apostolic pillars of formation yeah mm-hmm. so be prepared for those things but it's so beautiful and it's so joyful um so it's like this there is like intense suffering that you're encountering and there's also intense joy that you're experiencing 
mm. sometimes in the same day. Yeah, mm. the levity that you find at home is what gives you the the you know gumption to get back out there and and to minister to people who are you know addicted to drugs or like in like really hard. Like you just you see the underbelly of humanity in a way on the streets. Um, yeah, you really need the community to fall back on. Amen. Yeah, no, it's so important to have that support and that camaraderie while you're doing that kind of high intensity stuff. And, you know, just to throw this out there, too, um, there's also a segment of our listeners, I'm sure, that might find themselves in a different place that aren't really considering the possibility of, you know, becoming missionaries or that place in their life. But how can they support uh, your work and your mission? And like, what can they pray for? And then like, is there any way that they can financially support Christ in the City as well? What do you think? Yeah, Christ in the City, I like we are completely donor based, um, and I think not only does that allow us to just like afford what we do because we don't make money serving the homeless, um, but there is a beautiful reality of the spiritual and the supernatural graces that come with tithing. That there is just a mountain of grace that, like, when I'm out on the streets and somebody who clearly like should by all rights not care about me wants to tell me their life story and I open up to me and then suddenly that becomes the, the beginnings of a friendship that leads to improvement. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me. That yeah. was the, the, you know, the, the 10 years of, of prayer and grace that is coming from a, a, a group of people um, that is not out on the streets, but is making it possible um, both financially and spiritually. So yeah, donations are always accepted. That's what keeps us running. Um, but more than anything, it's prayer, offering masses, rosaries, things like that um, is absolutely essential. Nice. Good deal. Yeah, the prayer keeps us going. Absolutely. I'm I'm like always asking my family and my friends to pray for us, pray for us missionaries, pray for our friends on the street. Um, yeah, pray for specific circumstances of what's going on, pray for our expansions. Um, yeah, just like cover us in prayer. Um, and I definitely experienced that too. Like I think of a time when I was um walking with a woman who had had a just terrible day. And it was just a few of us women like walking around um, because of some weird circumstances. And I just felt totally covered in protection. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it it was really powerful. Um, And just to be able to be with her amidst imperfect circumstances um, and still be be safe and be able to love well um, was such a gift. And I like credit that to to the people praying for us and like the Lord's protection. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the financial aspect is so helpful too. like it, it would not be possible at all to do what we do and work at the same time. Like it is a full time commitment for sure. So, yeah, people can donate and that would be very much appreciated and prayers would be as well. Um, and donations can be made to ChristInTheCity.org. I also think that, you know, for listeners, you know, you may not have had the opportunity or you did not like serve a year as, you know, a missionary for Christ in the city. Um, and you can definitely support financially and, and prayerfully, but also like carry a, an element of their mission in your own life. You know, like if you're out and about and you see somebody like on the streets, I mean, I know that with COVID, we've kind of been a little bit more limited on our ability to travel and things like that, but you know, don't, don't turn the other way, like look at them in their eye and at least say hello, you know, or, um, if you're going to offer somebody um, a little bit of money, like who might be have, holding a sign or like on the side of the road, maybe like take that extra two or three minutes, obviously safely, right? Like don't, don't do anything unsafe, but you know, to be able to approach them, shake their hand and ask their name, you know, and look them in the eye. 
um, and remind them of, of their dignity as, as our two missionaries were talking about in their own work. These are things that even in the area of Northwest Indiana, not as a full-time missionary, but just like little ways that you can incorporate some of the, the principles that they've been sharing with us in your own daily life. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, on behalf, uh, you know, as a region rat, have you guys heard that term yet at all or no? No, I actually haven't. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's, I'm honored to be able to introduce this to you. So, um, have you guys heard of the term region yet or no? I've heard of that one. Yeah. Okay. Have you I don't think so. Yeah. So like this area of Northwest Indiana is kind of colloquially known as the region, kind of like in its, its uh, approximate area to Chicago. So it's kind of distinct that it's close to Chicago and kind of follows certain aspects of the city. But then as well, it's kind of far from like South Bend or like other areas of Indiana. So it's not quite like the rest of Indiana, but it's not quite Chicago. So it's been affectionately known as the region. So on behind then region rat is just a whole nother story. You can yeah. Google that later. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. But um, so on behalf of uh, those listening that are a part of the region, it's great to have you as honorary members of the region, you know, for the time that you've been here. And thank you for your service, um, you know, to God's people and however you're called going forward and for your time here. So and for that matter, too, thanks for coming out to be interviewed on the podcast. Appreciate yeah, it. It's, yeah. been a, it's been a blessing to have you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel very honored to be here in, in Northwest Indiana, in the region, and also with you guys, just getting to know you guys has been great. Yeah, it's always a treat to be able to share what we do. So thank you. Yeah, amen. So you heard it here. If you have any aspirations uh, to learn more or to donate or to pray or to even for that matter, to be inspired by the life and witness of these two missionaries to, you know, reconsider how you might interact with the homeless or those that you see in your everyday life that are in need of being reminded of their own dignity, you know, go ahead and be bold, be not afraid and do so. But until then, we'll catch you on another episode. This has been a bonus little episode interviewing these two missionaries. But until then, until we're able to come back again together, God bless you and be well. God bless.